Ah. Did I ever tell you about Mr. Baldo? Mr. Baldo? Yeah. I was a little younger than you, standing in line for the Ferris wheel at the Roan County Fair. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, I feel this fat white glove tap me on the shoulder. I spin around, and there he is, Mr. Baldo. <laughs> hey, kiddo, would you like a balloon? <laughs> Go ahead, laugh. It's funny. It wasn't funny back then, I can tell you that. I couldn't get him out of my head. Every night, he'd come to me in my dreams. Every night when he came to me, I ran. It got so bad that I made my mom stay in the room with me until I could fall asleep every night. Really? Really. It went on like that for months. And then one day, the nightmare suddenly stopped. Want to know how? Yeah. Well, I fell asleep, and just like always, Mr. Baldo came to me. Only this time, I didn't run. This time, I stood my ground. I just looked at Mr. Baldo and his stupid face, and I said, go away. Go away! Just like that, he was gone. Never saw him again. Easy peasy, right? Easy peasy. Just like that. everybody i'm rima and i'm sean and this is strange indeed a podcast dedicated to the show stranger things today we'll be covering the third episode of season two titled chapter three the polywog woohoo first off a quick word from our sponsor this week's episode is sponsored by freshly so you've tried all the meal, ki meal kits out there, right? So 30 minutes turns into 60, and all of a sudden you realize you're actually paying to do all the work. I've done it, and that ended for me this week after I tried Freshly. So what is Freshly? Freshly is a weekly prepared meal service that delivers fresh, never-frozen, all-natural meals developed by their team of chefs and nutritionists. They're fully cooked, so all you have to do is heat them up. Each meal is ready to eat in only three minutes. No more worrying about what's for dinner. No shopping, no chopping, no cleanup. But also, no artificial ingredients, preservatives, or added sugars. So keep this in mind because this is super important. Um... It's always fresh, never frozen. It's 100% all natural, no artificial flavors or preservatives, no refined sugars, and no gluten. They have all of their chefs and nutritionists um, preparing this, these healthier options for everyday eating. So they're super awesome for lunch or dinner, um, and they taste really good too. too. Uh, meals come to your door in a refrigerated box in recyclable packaging, so we're very earth conscious as well. Um, they're easy to stack in your fridge, and you can bring them to work for lunch, and they're perfectly proportioned for no food waste. Freshly's team of chefs and nutritionists design delicious dishes that make healthier eating super easy. So try Freshly today and get $40 off your first two deliveries. Just go to Freshly.com. That's six meals for only $39 for two weeks. It's Freshly's best offer ever. Only valid for a limited time. So head to Freshly.com and enter strange 
um, at checkout. Shipping is always free. Thanks, Freshly. Thanks, Freshly. Awesome. Well, I don't know about you, Sean, but I am so ready to start talking about this episode. Are you ready to jump into our top five? I am pumped for this episode and I am ready to go. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to go first this week because, um, I don't know, I just say I'm going to go first. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to sense there's an order here, but is there an order or is it just up to Rima? It's, you know what, we'll just leave that for the listeners (laughs) to determine. As always, I have a number five, but these are in no particular order because I feel everything is just equally awesome. But we'll start off my number five. I'm going to go there. The Polywog. Nice. This is my number one. Oh, really? Okay. We'll see. It is in no particular order. So we're just going to (laughs) go. We're going to go back and forth here. I'm going to steal your thunder. I'm going to steal your number one. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, so I really like how this show, it seems like they're they're doing a lot in the second season like they did in the first, where they said, the Duffer Brothers said, like, the first season to them was like an eight-hour movie. It wasn't really like a whole separate set of episodes, it was like a movie. And it seems like they're really carrying that on into the second season as well, because we, we start out this episode, the cold open starts right up at Dustin's house opens up the door, and of course we know he has just been outside at that trash can (laughs) (laughs) while he's wondering what the hell is going on out there. Um, So I really like where they pick right up. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to guess, like, well, what the hell was going on? We know. Um, But he comes in from outside, and his mom is totally cracking me up. I do not know. His mom is like exactly what I expect his mom to be. (laughs) Exactly. She is exactly who you expect to see as Dustin's mom. We didn't see her at all in season one, um, but we're definitely getting a a flavor for her in season two. And she is exactly who I would expect her to be. She reminds me a lot of, um, oh, uh, what's his name's mom in it. You know who I'm talking about. Cause I know that you like that movie. Um, Um, the kid with the asthma. Yes. The one with the allergies and she was always fussing over him. Yeah, but she didn't seem as creepy about it. Like, she still seemed to kind of care and everything. But, you know, when he comes in the door acting weird, you know, she senses that. But it's not like, oh, my God, we got to take the doctor. It's like, oh, are you constipated? Like, what's wrong, honey? (laughs) You're acting weird. (laughs) Did somebody make fun of you? Yes. She's definitely, she was definitely not as bad as that mom in It. She was definitely, that mom was really creepy. I don't get that creepiness vibe at all from, from Dustin's mom. But she she's definitely one of those like um, overprotective, um, no boundaries kind of mom, and um, I, I I just think she's I think she's really cute. Uh, I don't think she means any harm, but it's hilarious that you know Dustin is a teen, like almost like a teenage boy now. They're in, getting in those teen years, so it's like, uh, mom, stop talking about that <laughs> stuff. So I thought that was really cool. Um, so he goes into his room, and we see what he's been hiding in his uh, faux Ghostbusters trap, and see this little creature that you know we're calling the polywog for now um i really don't know what in the world it is um but i don't know i would not have kept that thing that thing was was not cute to me maybe because i'm a girl and not a boy but i was a big tomboy i didn't mind you know little little creatures and animals and and things but um that was kind of gross and it kind of freaked me out i think max kind of explained it perfectly she's like oh it's like a living booger because that's what it looks like. It looks like a living, like, slug booger thing. 
Yeah, it, it had a really good, like, slimy, like, effect to it. It looked slimy. And, and you can just imagine that it was slimy and probably felt kind of clammy and slimy as you're holding it in your hands. But and probably cold and yeah, ugh, no, yeah, no ew. thank you. No, no, no thanks. That thing does not look cute to me. I don't want to keep it um, at all. I would have ran as far away as I could had I seen that thing in my trash can. I probably would have kicked it over and <laughs> ran the other way. Stomped so, on it like one of those things from Slither. Yeah. Oh, ugh, no thanks. So... We see as the episode from the time in the beginning where, you know, Dustin first has it that um, till the end that this thing is like growing and morphing, you know, into into something. And, and that freaks me out because, no, I would have been like, what is this thing going to grow into? This thing is obviously some sort of baby or infant stage, you know, and you can see it growing and it grew legs and it's like. Just, just, it's just wrong. Whatever well, it, grew, it is, it's just wrong. It grew quick too. Like Dustin should realize like when he picked it up, it like fit in the palm of his hand. Yeah. And then the next morning it's like the size of his hand. And then when they get to the AV club, it's literally like probably the size of like a small kitten. Yeah. It's just not right. I didn't think it was cute at all. And I, you know, and then we had the kids, you know, like towards the end, they're all grouped together when they were going to you know, show it to Mr. Clark and there, you know, Will has that flashback to when he upchucked that slimy slug, yeah. you know, creature in a sink. And he's like, oh my God, I think, you know, I think he's making that connection that I think that's what that thing is. It's, it's obviously from the upside down. This thing is not a good thing, you know? And, and I think the tables are turned a little bit in this episode where Dustin is normally the voice of reason in other episodes. And he's trying to bring the other guys around like, Hey, hello you know, listen to me, I'm making sense here, and you guys are all over the place. Tables are turned a little bit that they're trying to get Dustin to see, you, this is not right. You shouldn't be, li you know, this is not like a creature you should be keeping. You know, we don't, you know, we don't know what it is. It could be dangerous, comes comes from the upside down. It's very like old yeller. I mean, to accept the fact that this thing doesn't seem rabid yet, but yeah, it's like, you can't kill my, you can't kill Dart. <laughs> not we old Dart. <laughs> I know. I mean, I felt bad for him. Maybe they, I'm, maybe they do have a bond. Maybe that thing has telepathy somehow. Is kind of you know messing with uh, Dustin's mind a little bit. I mean, we don't know. We don't know that at all. We don't know a whole lot about the you know what comes out of the upside down. The only thing we've seen really is that demigorgon thing. So, um, but that's that's my number five. Just starting out with um, beginning of the episode. That slimy little. Hollywog, uh, D'Artagnan, I guess he's got a name, so we can refer to him by his <laughs> name, named after one of the three musketeers. Dart, for sure. I think that Dart. was a cute name. It was, um, it was cute. I mean, I, it's it's interesting, like, my favorite part's about the whole, and this is my number one, so I'll probably tag, tag on a little bit to it, but, you know, Dustin, you know, he, he figures out that doesn't like light, so he turns the light off, he's feeding it. So, I mean, and that makes sense, because this thing is from the upside down. I, I think we have can pretty much say that. I don't know if these guys... I mean, it seems like the group kind of figures that out when mm -hmm. Will kind of freaks out about it. But Dustin, you know, is going through all this, you know, kind of uh, knowledge quest where he goes to the, the uh, library. <laughs> he wants to check out five books, and but he, you can only have five books at a time. But Dustin apparently likes to check out books and never bring them back. Mm -hmm. And he tries to tell, I can't remember what her name was, but he tries to tell her, he's like, listen, I'm on a curiosity voyage. <laughs> And these, these are my books paddles. are yeah, these books are my paddle. <laughs> Let me have my paddles. <laughs> I mean, it's like I wonder if this would ever work in like grade school or high school. He's like, oh my god, what's that? And just runs out the door. 
It's like you could have did that anyway. You know, I like, know. They, it's a small town. They're gonna know where you're at. Exactly. They know who you are. <laughs> and then the fact that uh, so Dustin's doing all this research. And he figures out like he thinks it's a polywog with some kind of it's some kind of tadpole. But he's late to class, and he just barges right in. Like this is like th- like this seems like the best acting. Unless this this Gatton Mazzaro mm-hmm. is actually like this, because this is exactly what I'd picture Dustin doing. Just bust right into class instead of like just quietly going to his chair. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Clark. I'm sorry. Keep keep teaching. Don't <laughs> let me interrupt. Don't let me up. Keep teaching. Keep teaching. I'm gonna. I'm back. I'm here for knowledge, guys. AV Club. Dustin, AV. sorry, Mr. Clark. Don't let me bother you. Max, yes. Max, AV Club, one o'clock start. <laughs> yes, that's perfect. Uh, let's see. And the only other thing. So I have a theory. Uh, when you saw the 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 polywog dart open his mouth, it looked it looked like it had teeth and it was kind of a circular mouth. Uh huh. I'm trying to figure out if this is like a baby demigorgon. That's where my thoughts were going as well. I mean, it's you know, and remember in, in the last episode of season one, we had that egg. It was a pretty big egg mm-hmm. that opened up. But maybe there's a bunch of these in there, a bunch of these little baby demigorgons that came out of that egg and had to infect the, you know, they infected uh, uh, Mike. I'm sorry, Will. And now that they've infected Will, Will's like bringing them out. Like he's their, their, uh, oh, what was it where uh, things like host onto a, a something? Um, like a parasite. Yeah, like a parasite. Like he's got them out of the, the, under, the upside down and now he's uh-huh. able to like spit them up. Cause that's obviously probably not the first time he spits something up. I don't think it is. You know, we saw that at the end of the um, season one in the last episode, and that's how it kind of ended was he was in the bathroom. You know, they were having dinner, him and his family, and he excuses himself to go to the bathroom and say he's going to wash his hands, and he upchucks one of those little slimy creatures, and I think he did it again, like in the first, I mean, unless it was like a flashback or something, I thought he did it again. I don't. Um, I don't remember him doing it like in this he, season, but maybe he did. I might have missed that. I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. My memory is really shot at this point. Um, but I thought he had done it again. Um, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, because remember when when Hopper and his mom Joyce rescued him, he had that thing down his throat, like he yeah. was being incubated. Um, so I think he was kind of like what alien um, in that movie, what they would do was incubate those aliens in people and use them as like, you know, an incubator for these creatures. And I think that's kind of what Will was. And oh, so Will's like a dad. Oh, <laughs> Dart is his little baby, his little baby demigorgon. Well, he has no attachment to that thing, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> he was horrified. Um well, because he yeah. talks about like remembering hearing the sound of of that when he was in the upside down. He's like, because when he breaks in and sees the sees Dart in the bathroom, mm-hmm. it makes the sound and it kicks him back into the upside down. That's where he goes, like basically transfers back into the upside down. Yeah, totally. I don't know what that thing. I think that's a pretty good theory as any as far as like what this thing is, because um, it, it certainly looks like. It. I mean, we've seen that it can morph because it had these tiny little like little T-Rex hands or something that it was like kind of running around on. And then it got legs. So it's, it's obviously evolving, you know, in, in very quick time. So who knows what the hell that thing's going to evolve into. I don't think that's too far fetched because you do see like this little mouth and nothing but teeth. It looked like a, um, um, what are the little, um, 
things that stick on you that are in lakes and ponds. Oh, a leech. <laughs> yeah, it kind of looks like a leech with teeth. <laughs> kind of like so, a leech with legs. I don't know if leeches have teeth. I think they just, what, like, what suck are, really are, hard. Don't they have to have teeth to penetrate the skin? Maybe. Yeah, I guess probably. They I don't know. Do. I, don't, I don't know a lot about leeches. <laughs> I saw Stand By Me when they were all in the, yeah. <laughs> in the lake and they had leeches attached yeah. to them. That part made me, that, that's, that movie made it where I don't want to swim in any body of water that's not a pool. <laughs> don't want leeches attached to your penis. No, no, no I don't. There's a don't lot either. of experiences I'd like to have in my life, and that's not one of them. I don't blame you. I don't want them in my nether regions either. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, okay, so that that was my number five. That was, and you crossed over a little bit from your number one. Do you have anything else to say about our little polywog? No, that's pretty much the gist of it. I I don't think it's cute. Like it, I, no. this is not something I'd be like, oh, we need to coddle it, but. I'm also the guy that, like, when people are like, oh, my gosh, my pet snake's the cutest thing ever. I'm like, no, it's not. No, it belongs outside. Away from me. Way, mm-hmm. way far away from me. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I don't want it anywhere near me. I wouldn't have thought that thing was cute and cuddly and wanted to keep it <laughs> at all. So, awesome. So, what is your number five? All right. So, my number five, I kind of titled The Facility. So, this place where it seems we learn a lot more in this episode about Hopper and his relationship with the doctor. Mm-hmm. So he is very much trying to keep the secret for the facility, for the government, and he's working with this doctor to make sure that happens. And he makes a trip as, you know, they, they're seeing all these crops getting destroyed. And as they're going through it, Hugh and Dewey have no clue what's going on. They actually stopped looking <laughs> because it was dark. And, uh, you know, Hopper, this is the first time, like, Hopper's legitimately looked like, what the fuck are you bumbling idiots doing? Mm-hmm. Like, how did you get through police school? knuckleheads and cut that damn mustache off your face it looks silly <laughs> but you know he they mark where all this stuff is and he figures out that like the the facility is right in the middle of it so he goes and talks to him because the goop is spreading outward and what i love is he goes in he has like no nonsense about this he tells them he's like listen or the doctors kind of tells like listen there's nothing to worry about like this isn't from us and i love that hopper's like no you convince me that it's not you like he gets mm-hmm. he, you know the the other doctor, I think, probably had a little bit of a, a push with Hopper. Uh-huh. But he stands up to this new one really quick. And you see him, you know, the doctor stand back up to Hopper. He's like, oh, so you're telling me how to do things now? Mm-hmm. And it felt very, very confrontational. But like we've said before, this new doctor has great bedside manner. Oh, uh, yeah. And I feel like that's the skill he's using right now. He's like, okay, fine. Guess what? We'll go. We'll research it. We'll tell you that it's nothing to worry about. We'll convince you that it's fine. Yeah. Do we do we believe him? Where no. are you? <laughs> I, I think he's gonna go he's gonna go out there, he's gonna do some service to like test and be like, Oh yeah, it's perfectly fine. Yeah. That goop just must be something, you know, weird. Like it's just natural. Because even when he's out there and he's searching and they're they're doing all this stuff, you know, the doctor tells Hopper, he's like, Hey, listen, you know, we're gonna need probably a couple of days out here. And Hopper knows that if he's if these people are out there, it's going to be questions. It's like you know, because this is definitely during the red, not really the red scare, but you know, there's definitely the whole like communist fear and the government fear. So it's like, oh my god, what's going on? There's a Russian girl running around. I've heard now. There's scientists out here. Like you know, there's bad shit about to happen. And so the doctor's telling Hopper, he's like, okay, well, you know, make sure you give us two days. And how's he going to do that? Hopper wants to know. Doctor just kind of throws it right back in his face and says, oh, you know, you'll figure something out. Gives yeah. him a nice little pat on the back and walks away. It's very much like a F.U. pat on the back, too. Oh, definitely. 
like I really feel like both these guys know that they're just doing each other lip service. Like the doctor's gonna tell Hopper, like, oh yeah, it's nothing. And Hopper knows he's gonna tell him that, but he's not gonna believe it. There's no way he could believe it. No, no, I don't think so. I don't I mean I'm not buying it. Especially after watching him, you know, this Dr. Sam Owens, this new doctor in town. Um boy, he's slick. He he does he does put on a good act. I'm not buying it at all. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely the guy that feels like he walks into a room and knows he's smarter than you and is, you know, going to make you feel like your buddies. Like, it, very much like a car salesman. You know, you walk in. I hate buying a car, by the way. We just bought one. It was an okay experience, <laughs> but I hate it. You're fresh off the experience. <laughs> yes, because you never, like, you walk, even if you feel like you got a good deal, you walk out like, I think I probably got fucked over somehow. Like, mm-hmm. surely I did. But you walk in, you know, and they shake your hand. They pat you on the back. Hey, can we get you something to drink? You know, can we get you a water? It's like, oh, well, I could go for a, I could go for a rum and coke, right? And they show up with a rum and coke, and you buy it's, a car yeah. drunk. Don't even know how you did it, but you bought one. Yeah. How did I walk out with this car? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember buying a car. Uh, <laughs> but that's definitely like he gives you that feel like, oh, we're buddy buddies, but I'm really gonna stab you in the back, or I'm taking advantage of you somehow. This is only to benefit me. Is basically what it comes down to. Pretty much. But yep. I wonder if that's that's probably going to be his downfall if I had to guess into the future because he's going to be like these dumb hicks from Indiana. You know, I can just push him around and do what I want. But Hopper's not a dumb hick. Hopper's a smart, smart dude, especially when he he's is. pushed and motivated. He is. Totally agree. So do you have any kind of thoughts or anything about, about the whole uh, you know investigation from the facility and Hopper kind of pushing himself uh, to be a little bit more, uh, I guess, defensive of his town? Yeah, that was actually my number two. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> was the <laughs> was the facility and this rotting vegetation? Um, I mean, you've already hit a lot of my points. I don't have too because you hit them really good, so I don't have too many other points. But you know, I I did really enjoy seeing Hopper making that connection. You know, he's got the map on the wall, and 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 I thought it was interesting that he specifically has that facility pinpointed on the map. Um, I don't know if he had other things uh like landmarks or other um you know things like that marked on the map but he he specifically had that facility and as they're talking through it and he's xing them those locations on the map as they're talking about where they you know had like the rotting pumpkins the rotting vegetation that slime stuff that we all love so much um and and you see it and and I almost didn't really, you know, I saw, I looked, but I didn't quite make that connection as as Hopper did, as he's like, oh my gosh, and he takes it and rips it down and throws it onto the desk and makes those circles, and you can see that it's, like, going outward from the facility, that somehow this place is connected. So I really, really enjoyed that, because, of course, I love Hopper, and I loved watching him do his investigative work and being a real cop, and, and you know, and how he's having to deal with, like, Huey and Dewey, yeah. you know, in his office. And he's like, ugh, you know, I'm carrying this department, you know. They're basically just doing, like, a little bit of legwork for him. Um, but I didn't really have a whole lot of other thoughts. I just, I'm, I mean, they, they did put on a good show. You know, the doctor did bring out, you know, some people in some suits. And they were taking soil samples. They were bagging up those pumpkins and certainly putting on a good show about, yeah, we're going to test this stuff, you know, we're going to we're gonna do what you ask, and we're going to make you feel better about it, but I do not buy for a minute that he's going to do it at all. Um, I think if he actually does do any kind of testing, he's going to totally work it in his favor. Oh, yeah. Um, and make it out to be nothing if he actually does any testing on it. 
Um, you know, I thought it was funny how he was still trying to keep Hopper on his side by joking with him while they're out there. And he's like, oh, in the smell, you know, kind of, you know, just. Yeah. Guy oh, talking. yeah. Those are those are dead pumpkins, aren't they? Yeah. Just, you know, kind of going along with it, trying to humor Hopper a little bit and, um, you know, just kind of going along with it. But I don't buy him for a second. I, I do. Paul Reiser. I don't know if you saw Aliens, um, the, the sequel to Alien with Paul Reiser in it. I haven't. Seen, no, I haven't seen it. Oh, Sean, I'm making you a list, and <laughs> this is your homework. <laughs> but anyway, um, his character um, here in the show is really starting to, for me anyway, really uh, kind of mirror that character in Aliens. And um, if you watch that movie, you'll definitely, I think, kind of see that a little bit. Um, so that's, I didn't really have a whole lot to add. Those are just a few of my little notes and things that I noticed. I I do enjoy Paul Reiser. I've always enjoyed him as an actor. So even though he's a completely smarmy character in this um, series, I think so far, I do enjoy watching him on screen. And of course, I love anything Hopper. So I thought good interaction between them. I did love how Hopper did stand up to him. I thought that was interesting because he's like, you know, I'm holding up my end of the bargain. I'm keeping things quiet for you. You need to keep this shit out of my town. Which is really smart because if he rolled over, like you could probably be the doctor be like, something. why is he rolling over on this? Like mm-hmm. he... And that could lead to him figuring out about Eleven. But no, he's like, you know, this is, like I said, this is the small town cop, you know, the big fish, small pound, small, big fish, small pond, Jim Hopper. Yeah. Trying to flex his muscle here. And, you know, is there any chance you think that the doctor actually doesn't believe this is caused by the facility and like he's going to be shocked? Or do you, are you, do you think he actually does know? I mean, I, I'm full on. I mean, I could be wrong because I have not watched ahead. I am just on this episode, so I have no idea what happens next. Um, so speaking completely spoiler-free, I really think he's in on it. I think he's no better than Dr. Brenner. I think whoever is really in charge of this facility, this project, whatever it is that's going on that we still don't have a lot of answers to, you know, saw the mistakes that Dr. Brenner made by being such a hard-ass and, and his attitude, and they brought this guy in who, you know, as we know, does have a better bedside manner. He seems a lot more friendly, a lot more open. He's, you know, yep, this stuff's going on and we're taking care of it. You know, we just need you to keep it quiet. We're all going to play nice together, kind of friendly fellow. I don't buy it for a second. That's just a cynic in me. But nope, I believe I believe he's just as dirty as, as the rest of them. Because you saw him whenever he was, when whenever Hopper got the call from, you know, whichever one it was, Huey or Dewey, about, hey, there's, you know, about that Russian girl. And you just kind of see the doctor eyeballing hoppers. He jump you know, he jumps in his truck and peels away. You know, that's suspicion. That wasn't like curiosity. That was suspicion. So I don't believe him for a second. Yep. So that's just my kind of number five is the facility and kind of the doctor and hoppers interaction. Sweet. So my number four, um, <laughs> is titled The Joys of Parenting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, this just, um, even though it's not a true biological uh, father-daughter relationship, um, Hopper and Eleven, we get to see more of their relationship, which I really uh, love, but I think we saw, uh, you know, where it's kind of like the challenges of being a parent to um, a tween, I'm going to say tween because I don't think she's quite a teenager yet. Um, maybe a tween. Yeah, I think um, they're like that eighth grade. So like that maybe 13, 12 to 13 range. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's about where she's at. So she's on that cusp of being a teenager, which to me, middle school years are the worst anyway. Yeah. I would take high school all over again with with my own kid versus middle school. Middle oh, school. is that just, is that where the kid is more difficult or is it more difficult for the kid? I think it's, well, both. I think it is like harder on the parent for that age and that the things that the kid is going through, like emotionally and physically. Um, and then just like that change from elementary school and getting ready to go into high school, the things that they face, um, because it's like, they want to be grown up and be like high schoolers, but they're not, they're too, too little still. Um, it's, it's harder on the parents, the, 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 the emotional, like my kid and I fought more when she was in middle school than we ever did whenever she was in elementary school or high school. Um, I wish someone had warned me about that. So this is my warning to everyone. If I can reach enough people, <laughs> if you have a kid <laughs> getting ready to go to middle school, beware, at least if it's a girl, <laughs> that's my experience with a girl. Um, but it was definitely uh, brought back some memories of like some of that attitude and that talking back that she was giving to Hopper, you know, and, and I get that she's angry, um, but I, I know, and I know that it's hard for her to see how Hopper's just trying to keep her safe, you know, and he's when, and she gets very angry and she's like, well, day 21, you said soon mm-hmm. day 207. And I know I'm saying he's completely wrong. I'm just, this is not verbatim, but you know, she keeps throwing it in his face that you keep repeating over and over that this is soon. And then she throws it in his face. Friends don't lie. You know, she's very upset because she wants to see Mike. Uh, she's only been able to visit him, like, telepathically, you know, kind of seeing him and calling out to him. Um, you know, she she tosses the plate at Hopper, you know, just with the, you know, little flick of her head that she does with her mind and does the same thing when she runs into her room and slams the door with just, sl- you know, slinging her arm in the air. Um you know, that it was, it was just interesting. I thought of different aspects. We, we saw the sweet side. They kept showing those flashbacks of when he first found her in the woods. And we still don't know what precipitated the whole event of him starting to put food in the box. I, maybe we'll get yeah, there because they I hope keep, so. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested. Maybe we won't, but we at least saw he is putting food in the box and she's finding it. And then she, I think finally comes to a point where she trusts, I guess he's been doing it enough and she's been out alone enough that she, feels that she can trust him because she then follows him to the truck and shows herself to him. So I really like well, that. So I, I like the sweet and then I like the defiant because boy, she goes full on rebel. Oh, she does. That's very, very much. I, I would just imagine that was like my teenage years with my mom. Yeah. I'm like, no, and throw the egos at her and <laughs> store into my room. Yeah. Hopper was a lot easier on her than what it would have been on me. Had I thrown he, egos. <laughs> yeah. But he did not look happy. No, like, he was not. Uh, he, he, yeah, because after she slammed the door, like he gave the table a solid kick. Like that was a very like, I'm sure every parent's been that frustrated at some point. I've kicked point. a few tables in my time. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in reality, we're all just kids. Some of us are just growing up, and you know, we're supposed to be the responsible ones. Yeah, I don't know what that means yet. I don't know how <laughs> how to adult yet. <laughs> Yeah, but I thought it was super cool, the relationship. We got to see a little bit more um, behind that um, in the beginning with Hopper and Eleven finding the cabin, or not finding, but him taking her to the cabin for the first time, getting it cleaned up. Um, I loved when he put on Jim Croce and (laughs) did his little dance. That was a total dad dance. It was, total dad dance, and it was hilarious, her reaction, because that's totally what your kids 
how they look at you. Yeah. Like, you yeah. are the lamest person on the planet. <laughs> how dare you try to even think to dance? <laughs> like, nobody is around, and I'm still embarrassed to be in the same vicinity as you. Exactly. I'm embarrassed for you, and there's no one else even witnessing. You have it exactly right. <laughs> so I love that little moment. If anyone has seen, um, they have put out, they've made a little gif of um, David Harbour doing that little dance they've taken that clip and they just loop it in this gif and it is like the best <laughs> thing ever it's out there look for it um but i really like seeing their relationship build because you see it sweet and then you see it sour you know you see it sweet in the beginning as they're building that relationship and he's trying to show her how he's protecting her and hopper's got some skills i wonder if he was like in the military or something i mean this would have been kind of when uh, he, I think he could have been of the age where he would have maybe possibly come out of Vietnam, maybe. Because what's up with that tripwire? I don't know about you, but I don't yeah. know how to do that. And that I know he's a smart. cop, but that was smart. Because I saw him drill the hole and put the bullet in it. I'm like, is he making like a, like somebody opens the door, it's going to like basically shoot them. But yeah. no, it's like, it's a tripwire. So if somebody crosses it, it'll snap the thing and it'll let off a loud explosion. We'll know people are coming. Exactly. That was really smart. And, um, I'm thinking, I don't know that just a, now I know he's not just your typical small town cop. He's, he's pretty smart and really great at investigative work, but I just don't know that that's something I, you know, I'm just wondering what other skills he has or where he might've learned that from. I want more backstory on Hopper, um, but I thought that was super cool. I had to see some of his skills and he knew Morse code. You know, he knew, I don't know that that was super common in the eighties. Maybe, I don't know. Um, since I was a kid, but, um, you know, it's super cool showing how he was teaching her Morse code. So we got to see some of the things that we saw last week, you know, seeing their relationship and stuff. And it's like, well, how did that happen? How did this happen? We kind of got, you know, a little bit of um, looking into that, and I really liked it. So do you have any thoughts on any of that? Yeah, I really thought it was cool with uh, – I kind of talked about – or the thing I thought was really cool was the uh, the rules that they put together. Mm-hmm. So when you first see it, you have to really – I got paused at thinking they wouldn't tell you, but they definitely give you the rules. I don't know if you caught them or not, but mm-hmm. you know, rule number one is always keep curtains drawn. Rule number two is only open the door for the secret knock. And rule number three is never go outside alone, especially in daylight. And Which she I, defiantly oh, just – she did. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> But, I mean, I think he called them the don't be stupid rules because we're not stupid. And I want to coin them, and I think, you know, if this was a few years in the future, these would be the Shania Twain rules. Oh, well, tell us more. Because, you know, don't be stupid. You know, I need you. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be ridiculous. Come on, Sean. Don't be shy. Give us uh, some more. <laughs> I think that's about all I know. I was a, like in the early 90s, I was big in the country music. So obviously I've heard that song a few times. But yeah, I think they should be the Shania Twain rules. Well, now I'm going to make you sing some Shania Twain <laughs> every time that we come on. Um, we'll what's have that to... feel? I, I think I need you to sing Feel Like a Woman. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. So if we ever make it to a, uh, if I ever make it to a Walker Stalker con, we need to get people together. We'll go do karaoke. <laughs> Yes. And we can do we can do Shania Twain's greatest hits. Yes, that's that's on the list. We're gonna get you to a Walker Stalker <laughs> soon, and that is definitely gonna happen at the meetup. Wherever we meet up has to have some karaoke happening. Because <laughs> <laughs> it would be so worth it. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Okay, what's your number four? 
So my number four, uh, I kind of saw this before I saw the episode because uh, it's really tough to not get spoiled on a lot of things, but um, oh, yeah. it was really just a little tidbit. So I, I think I caught it a little bit more. But it was when Bob was driving Will to school and he told them the story about a clown. Ugh. And that clown went by the name of Mr. Baldo. So it's it's pretty, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of like something you tell, you know, a kid. You know, it's like, hey, you know, I was scared when I was your age, too. You know, I remember being at this carnival and this this clown came up and put his white glove on me. And when I turned around, he says, you want a balloon? Uh-uh, and uh-uh. you know what that reminded me of, Rima? It reminded uh- – I'm, I'm, for me, it was Pennywise. But yeah. What was it for you? It was Pennywise, yeah. yeah. And because, and I saw some fan theories out there, which is really, really cool. Is like, uh, Bob is from Maine and oh, Derry is in Maine. And so, you know, he was talking about how, like, the Mr. Baldo kept coming in at night. You know, he had to have his mom sleep with him. And then one day he just stood up and said, Go away. And, you know, the fan theory I saw out there, which is pretty cool, is like, you know, the kids when they grow up in the book and in the the movies is they think that the whole Pennywise thing was just one big dream. They don't realize that it actually happened. So, like, in this situation, like, it could have been Pennywise that he saw and had to deal with. And I think there's, like, fan theories that he could have been one of the original kids or something like that or one of the kids that survived. (sighs) Of course, it's probably not true. Like, it's like I always love like these little tie-ins. But, you know, like, it's exactly the same story. Yeah, yeah, because it's – and it could just be a little callback because this is during the 80s when the – eighty. I think 83 might be when the book takes place in the second half. But, yeah, the whole, like, hey, you want a balloon? Oh, my God. Bob, it's time to float. Oh, oh, stop it. Stop it. I'm going to have nightmares. (laughs) I can't take it. I can't take it. Hey, yeah, Bobby. Oh my god! Ooh, that was good, Sean. That was really good. You're gonna um, give your your son some proper nightmares when he's uh, old yeah, enough. Yeah, for sure. To yeah. That. Uh, but we learn. I don't know if it's in here, so I'm not gonna spoil it till later. But we learned that go away doesn't always work. No, <laughs> it does not. Well, but you know that's what God. And I'm sorry if people haven't seen this movie yet. But either you read, either read the book, watch the miniseries, or go watch the movie already because it's really good. Um, it's like what the kids do, um, is, you know, keep saying you're not real. You're not real. Yeah. Pretty much like the, the idea. And that's what you don't, you know, you kind of see it in here. It's not really, it doesn't seem to be the same case in the upside down, but with Pennywise, it's like, you know, he uses your, your mind against you, your greatest mm-hmm. fears, but in doing that, he weakens himself. So if he becomes like a vampire, you know, he can, if you believe that, garlic can you know hurt vampires it's going to hurt him which is a pretty cool concept um so this is kind of on pennywise and everything but on my recent vacation um uh, i went down to cancun during halloween so all the people there dressed up there was a guy that dressed up as a uh, georgie mm-hmm. he had the raincoat he had a balloon and he had a paper uh boat and so when i walked by i was like oh hey it's like you know do you like to float He's like, you'll float too. You'll float too as I walk by. That's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> and but what yeah, a good, simple costume. Why oh, not? yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I got a good picture with him too. So um, You did. You shared it with me, and that was awesome. <laughs> Made me totally jealous of the nice Cancun weather you were having while we were having crappy <laughs> fall weather here. 
But my number four is just either it's a callback or maybe it leads to something more, but it's the whole Mr. Baldo and Bob. Oh my God, that's totally blowing my mind that you say that because I, I got the creepoids, you know, as he was talking about that, I, I you know, was thinking, oh, that sounds like Pennywise. But my thought did not go beyond that because I did not even make that connection. I hadn't seen that story or um, fan theory at all. So damn, you totally blew my mind. That would be really freaky. Um, if there was any type of connection or just the fact that they're just throwing it in there because they love to kind of throw in those, you know, they're Stephen King fans. There's tidbits of Stephen King sprinkled all throughout the first season and this season as well. So it could just be a little thing that they sprinkled in as like a homage, you know, to it and Pennywise. So, but still super cool. Oh God, freaking Pennywise. Well, <laughs> that's actually um, my number three. Oh, was nice. Facing your fears. Um, so that was also what I was going to just kind of talk about was Bob's story about Mr. Baldo and, you know, how he always ran away, but this one time he stood up to him and told him to go away and it worked and he snaps his fingers, easy peasy, which I thought was an interesting peasy. Yeah, that was, I thought just kind of interesting, but he's quite, he's a, he's a corn dog. So I'll, I'll allow it. Um, but you know, as you mentioned, you know, it doesn't always work. You know, when, when you do that. Um, but, you know, what else I, I found interesting in, in just kind of watching some of this facing your fears, um, and, and this may not be like facing your fears, but something that I thought whenever I was watching this on the second time, Joyce was making that connection with Will's drawing with what she saw in the video when she was playing that video yeah, back when uh -huh. she finally figured it out. Um, and I thought, you know, you kind of give, well, not you, Sean, but like people and even me have kind of given Joyce a little bit of a hard time about being a little kooky, weird. I mean, I love her. I think she's fantastic, the character, and of course, Winona Ryder. Um, but I think she's a lot smarter than what she lets on sometimes um, because she made that connection pretty quick with what she saw in the video to what she saw in Will's drawing. Um, so I thought that was pretty smart of her to make that connection. And, you know, as I'm sitting in there thinking about Bob and how he's telling the story to Will, and I think that it's probably just an adult thing to do, that he's trying to make friends with Will and Jonathan because he he's in this relationship with Joyce. Um, so he's trying to get in good with the kids. And I think he's trying to, you know, get Will's trust and telling him the story and this really, because he knows about Will's episodes and these scary moments that he's having. I don't think he knows the full extent or anything, but he knows about these moments that he's having and, and thinking they're all just in his head. So he's trying to help him and he's trying to reach out and build that relationship with him because he's with Joyce. But I thought it was interesting is, did you think that Bob led her to watching that video? Because he was telling her, I mean, he kind of made a point when he went to see her at her work and had lunch with her. He made a point to tell her about, you know, hey, I noticed my, you know, what was it the JVS? Uh, so old school, I can't even think of the name of it. You know, his <laughs> video player is a little banged up. So he looked at, to see what was on the video, notices that there were some boys bullying Will. Well, he should know Joyce well enough at this point. What's she going to do? She's going to go check out that video. So it's like he was purposely leading her to it. Did you get that at all? Yeah. So when they were sitting there, when he first started talking about the camera being banged up, I was like, okay, this is where we're going to see the jerk Bob come out. Like he's uh -huh. going to be the kind of guy that's like, you know. Damn kids. <laughs> yeah. You know, take like this is, this is expensive stuff. But he quickly, I, I think he just like he saw what happened. 
and maybe he just wanted to be upfront and honest with her. And and mm-hmm. so far, again, hopefully this doesn't turn into like Bob's a creeper. Like I hope Bob's just Bob. He's just a guy. Yeah. But I'm concerned, or I'm not concerned, I'm sorry, but but I think, like, he's actually concerned for Will, and so, like, he saw it was banged up, and so he's like, okay, well, like, what happened? Like, like this doesn't look like just normal wear and tear. And then when he watched the video and saw that the kids were making fun of him, I don't think that he saw the drawing, or he wasn't able to make that out. Mm-hmm. I think he was just wanting to share with her, like, hey, you know, Will had this thing happen, just so you know. Because I, I really think he feels for like I feel like he feels like Will's the kid that he was. You know, always getting picked on. Mm-hmm. As he talked about that with uh, with Joyce is like she's the kind of person that punches back, but he's not. Yeah, you know, he's the kind of guy that just takes it. But like right now, he's with Joyce Byers. He's dating Joyce Byers. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't quite. I mean, I don't know. I, that was just something that like it seemed like he made such a point to to bring that up with her. And then, of course, she goes rabid and she's, you know, goes through that whole, you know, hilarious little um, montage of her trying to figure out how to hook up cables and where she finally calls him to figure out, yeah. to, you know, <laughs> try. She's trying to stick the, that little little VHS tape into the VCR. Yeah. I mean, you think like you laugh about that now, but like we're, we're close to that age. Like something's going to come out in the next like five years. We're like, I would put this in a DVD player. I am determined to keep up on all of that stuff, so I don't ever have that because I am. Yeah, I'm, it's got to be tech. easier now because at least like like we can go to the internet. Like back then, you had to call somebody, but the yeah, internet can show us. There's Bob. YouTube. How many bobs yeah, were there Bob. out there in the day? <laughs> call uh, Bob at Radio Shack. Let's figure this out. Or <laughs> do these cables hook up? Um, I I don't know everything there is to to know about tech, but I do try to stay up to date because I'm I love gadgets. Um, and I love tinkering with things like that. So uh, hopefully I'll stay fairly up to date to where I don't make myself look too foolish. And if I do, that is what Google is for. Yep. Is Google, how the hell does this thing work? So I stop looking like an <laughs> idiot or at least I can speak about it without sounding like an idiot. Um, but I just thought that was really interesting. That was my number three was facing your fears. Um, Bob's story about Mr. Baldo. I think you covered that really well and way more interesting than what I could have with your, possible fan theory Pennywise connection. So do you do you have anything with the upside down in Will? Or do you think this is a good time to dive into that? I mean, I I mean I mentioned that in my facing fears. Um I didn't know if you wanted to go into that part yet since it was at the end, but I did have that on my number three was, you know, we see, you know, Bob's trying to pump up Will and give him that courage that, you know what, I was in your shoes. Um and this worked for me. Why don't you try it? Um, clearly though, whatever it was that Bob was messing with, whether it was, you know, what some people might think is really Pennywise or if it's just a story he's telling him about nightmares that he had didn't quite work for Will. So I did, you know, if not here was definitely going to mention that if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. Yeah. I don't have it as a number, but definitely is that, that situation. So, uh, it reminded me of, it reminded me of actually a dream I had when I was a kid. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was really, really scared of uh, Freddy Krueger when I was a kid. You know, yeah. it was one of those things. I was like five to six when I saw it. It was, you know, like this guy attacks kids in their dreams. So it was really, really scary. And I don't think anybody ever told me it's like just face your fear in your dream or anything like that. Or maybe I heard it in the movie. But somehow I had an idea in my mind that if in my dream I'm about to be attacked by Freddy Krueger, just, you know, basically stand up to him and it's fake. And in this dream I had uh, in our house, the stairs were on the opposite side of the house. And I was downstairs playing. All of a sudden, Freddy Krueger chasing me. So I've run up the stairs. I'm like, oh, wait, I know how to get on my dreams now. So it's kind of one of those elusive dreams where you kind of control yourself. Mm-hmm. 
So I go back down the steps. I sit at the very bottom of the steps, and I just sit there and wait for him to come out of the dark. And so Freddy Krueger walks up to me. I'm like, you don't scare me. I can wake myself up. And I closed my eyes and thought I could do what I could do to wake myself up. But when I opened my eyes, guess who was there right in front of my face? (laughs) I don't know. It was Freddy Krueger. I couldn't wake myself up. Oh my God. So I don't remember what happened. I think I must have ran up the steps or something and ended up waking up. But it was kind of that same thing. It's like, oh, I'm going to stand up because, you know, and have no fear. And it didn't work out. Just like for, for Will, you know, he's standing up to the smoke monster doing what he was told. And it's the end of the episode all together. So we don't know what happened. And this mm-hmm. is one of the episodes where it's like, God, I just want to binge it. I know. Because all of a sudden it's just him getting like, I don't know if he's getting possessed because it's very much like supernatural. Whenever demons possess people, like the, that smoke stuff going inside the person. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what was happening there. If he was being taken over, is it is it taking a piece of him? Is it taking possession of him? What is it doing? Yeah, it's like you said, it's like, I, I haven't watched Supernatural, but it reminds me a lot of Charmed. I watched Charmed, and I was completely obsessed with that show. <laughs> I, I watched on. the first few seasons of that when I was a kid. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, and there were demons in that show, and there were similar kind of things that happened, you know, when they tried to possess you um, in that show as well. So I don't know. I'm like you. I stopped. I did not watch. I've stopped with this episode as hard as what it was. I have no <laughs> idea what that meant um, at all, but I didn't like it. And, I mean, let's give it up to Noah Schnapp. Is he not knocking out this, se- this season or not? I mean, um, he plays young Will. He's he's doing fantastic. Oh, uh, for sure. I mean, for like he was barely in any episodes last season, and to come mm-hmm. in this, I'm not sure what his act acting like uh, IMDb looks like looks like right like before this or anything. But mm-hmm. yeah, to kind of come in, I would feel like pretty cold compared to everybody else. He's he's yeah. doing an excellent excellent job. He is. I mean, you really felt it whenever he's yelling at that shadow monster and trying to face it and tell it to go away. Um, good grief. I mean, he's really he's really impressing me, and he's really knocking it out of the park. I think the Duffer Brothers said that the season was all about Will, and I think we're definitely seeing that. He's doing a fantastic job, and it, it definitely made me afraid for, for poor Will, and it made me... It made me hurt for him. Like, my heart hurt for him. My heart broke because he was so, you know, he's been running from this thing constantly and so scared and so scared. And he gets this little buildup of confidence from from Bob, this corn dog. Um, and and it didn't work for him. It, it totally backfired. And I felt really bad for him. And he was so scared. And, you know, I think we all know, you know, obviously they're, you know, we all haven't faced anything out of the upside down <laughs> or a shadow monster, but you know, we've all probably had dreams of something like a shadow monster, like you with your Freddy Krueger. We've all had those dreams that have just completely terrified you, but this is like really happening to him. It's not just a dream. And, um, it really made me really sad for him to see that he gained the confidence and then it backfired and didn't work for him. So do you think like, as that was happening, he's like, Oh, fuck you, Bob. And you're fuck go you, away. Bob. Go away, Bob. I'm gonna be fucking Bob instead of fucking yep. Ted, which we were spared from this this episode. That's for sure. Well, um, he's gonna get goodness. his revenge. He's gonna get his revenge on Bob. So when, next time he stays over, he's just gonna like cry and like knock on the door. And of course, Bob's probably the guy that just likes to come over and snuggle. So maybe it's not a big deal. Like I could see Bob like not trying to get like past first base. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Let's just let's just roast some s'mores and just watch. Yeah. Something on the TV. Is it Joyce? Is it okay if I hold your hand? Can I hold your hand while we watch this movie? Yeah. I totally oh, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> 
I still don't buy it though. I'm starting to really think that he's, I don't know if he's really necessarily like a bad guy, but I feel somehow, I want, I don't want him to be, I, I want him to be, I'm like you, I want him to be just Bob who works at Radio Shack, who's a total nerd, um, tech geek, um, like Best Buy's Geek Squad or something is today, and and just be that corn dog and just be as corny as, as yeah. what he is. But I just, mm, my skepticism, I, it just keeps butting in, and I can't help but think that he was placed there on purpose, that he was yeah. made to somehow come into Joyce's life somehow. Because I hope not. That, I mean, I could see it like maybe he wasn't, maybe that's why he's like Will. Maybe he was sucked in the, the upside down when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he's trying to, like, make, I, I don't know, like, feed the upside down. Like, you could, like, there's so many storylines you could go with that. But, I like I said, I really just hope it's just, he's just Bob. I want it to be true. I do. I don't want that. I just, I'm, I feel like I've, I've seen so many, so many other things and I just feel like it's just too good to be true. Maybe I've been burned too many times. <laughs> that's the bitter side coming out in me, folks. I'm sorry. That's, <laughs> we'll just put that bitter side back to bed and we're going to let Bob, because we don't know anything. It's all speculation at this point. We don't know. Um, we're going to let Bob just be the adorable corn dog um, that he is for this, this point. So anyway, um, I know that was my number three. Did you did you do your number three? Uh, my number three kind of ties into it a little bit. Mine was just a video camera. Oh. So one one thing I added was that it seemed that Bob wasn't as upset about the camera as I thought he was going to be. He seemed like he had more concern about Will. Mm-hmm. But then Joyce pausing it at just the right time to see the monster. And I yeah. don't I don't know if like the old TVs. Maybe she was just tracing it, but it looked like she was doing the old. Uh, you know, like if you uh, um, sketch. Is it sketching or what's it called? Where you uh, like you have a piece of paper on something and you kind of rub a pencil over it to get an outline. Oh, yes. Today's not called? the day to ask me those yeah. kinds of questions because my brain's not working, but I know exactly what you mean. I can't remember what's that, what's that, what that's called, but it looked like that's what she was doing on the TV. Kind of like tracing it. Kind of, yeah. But I don't think how that would work on the TV unless she was kind of just filling in from the, the reflection of the thing. But I, th- I think it's because she used, she got like, it looked like wax paper, which you can kind of see through. So okay, to me, it reminded more of tracing and not like rubbing. Like you would rub, like you know, people like rub tombstones. Have you yeah, seen more yeah, exactly. Like the paper and like rub the the you know tracings from from a tombstone or something. To me, I well, think they, it was more like a tracing. They do that a lot at the Vietnam Memorial. Like there, you have somebody that you knew that's on there. You can right. do that with a piece of paper. Right. Um. But I mean, this whole thing, like she sees this, she sees the whole thing Will's going through, and you know what she's going through her mind is like, this is happening again. Uh-huh. This is very much like Jaws too. She's gonna go in and be like, I, I got pictures <laughs> of the shark. There's a shark in this water. It's like, but yeah. this is we can't have a shark on the Fourth of July two years in a row. It's gonna kill tourism. And then exactly. you know that dude's got to come in on his boat again and try and take away the shark. I've seen this movie a million times. Jaws is the best. It is. It's pretty good. But yeah, my number one, two, or number three, sorry, we kind of talked a little bit about was just more the video camera aspect of the the episode. It did bring back some um, good old 80s nostalgia. You know, I, you know, I did not have a video camera growing up. We were poor folk. Uh, We did not have that, but I knew people that did. And just seeing some of that kind of brought back memories, seeing those connections on the back of the TV, because it really showed some (laughs) of those, like how the antennas (laughs) are done. Back in the day, I thought, oh, my God, they really went for the detail here. I mean, I love it. it was, 
<laughs> definitely uh, brought me back how it like hooked onto the screws in the back and you had to kind of, you know, tighten them back up and stuff to make sure that the connection was good. Oh my word. So many good things. Um, my number two, um, we kind of already talked about, we went into pretty good, was about the facility and the rotting vegetation. So I think we talked a lot about the doctor, um, what's up with him and what's going on around you know, like leaking out of the facility or what's happening around the facility. Um, so I don't have anything else to say about that. Did you have anything else that you want to say about that? No, I covered the facility part pretty well, so I think I'm good yep. there. So what's your number two? Uh, so my number two, uh, I kind of more go with the uh, the 11 Hopper uh, montage. So we kind of talked a little bit about the whole thing there with him starting the dance. Mm-hmm. But there's the whole montage of, you know, he's at his grandpa's cabin you know, he's teaching her how to sweep. He's teaching her how to, you know, do all this work around the house. And they're building this place for her. And at the very end of it, it's like, hey, this is your home. Or I think it's at the beginning. He's like, this will be your new home. Yeah. And she's never had that before. She's just had a place where she's kind of been forced to stay. Yeah. And I think that's where Hopper kind of took a little offense. Not offense, maybe, but maybe more concerned that he's not he's not helping Eleven kind of get past all of her stuff mm-hmm. when she's counting down the days. He's like, you're counting down the days like a prisoner. Like you're not, do you feel like a prisoner? Like you're, I don't want that to be what you feel like. Yeah. And I mean, all of this kind of leads into us getting what I think we should have every single day of the week is the triple decker ego <sighs> extravaganza. It is only 8,000 calories. So I think it would be ideal start to every day. Um, either that or some of that really awesome French toast that he made mm, in the previous yeah. season. <laughs> I'll I'm telling take either. You, Hopper is, you know, I'm in love with him and I don't like dudes, so <laughs> that's got to say a little bit. <laughs> Find me someone that can make me some French toast and some ego extravaganza and I'm sold. Amen to that. He He's awesome. Yeah, the whole thing with him in 11 was great. You know, he's telling her that story and she gets sad asking about you know do i have a mom um he's he talks about his daughter yeah i didn't um what was he talking about his daughter i don't think he did talk about his daughter i think he was reading a book was it the story i well i I wondered about that because it almost sounded like it was his story but yeah you're right like it was coming out of the story but it seemed like his story Mm -hmm. because when he was reading that at first i thought he was telling her about his daughter and then I realized he was reading from a book. I didn't catch or know what book he was reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what book it was at all. But, yeah, I like that whole thing, that whole montage. I love seeing the beginning of their relationship uh, to where it is now, you know, where they do have that bond enough to where they do have that, like, real uh, father-daughter type of relationship, and she's at that age, and he's, you know... Um, it's it's a rough relationship. They're not father daughter, but they they've built on that and and spent that much time together. Um, I'm I'm interested to see you know now that he knows she has made it out. Because um, what's he gonna do? Like seriously, you know she she has this power. He's just kind of isn't he like this whole time just crossing his fingers she's gonna abide by these rules and stay in there. You'd hope. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know she's more powerful than you are. Yeah. So if she wants to leave, she could definitely leave with, like, nothing's going to stop her. Yeah. I mean, we've seen her slam, you know, like, throw guys in the air and slam them against a wall, which I don't think she would hurt Hopper. But, I mean, she she did some questionable things in this episode, I thought. I mean, she really acted out because, I mean, she 
threw that plate at him with Egos and broke the plate, I thought. It looked like the plate broke um, when it happened. I you know would have to go back and, and check that. But, I mean, that's a pretty aggressive, you know, that's the same as if one of us, we may not do it with our mind, but if we take a plate or sling a plate at one of our parents, I mean, that would not have went well at all in my home. Rima, I can I, tell you right now, if I chucked a plate at my mom or my dad, we would not be doing this podcast. <laughs> um, I will second that statement as well, that I would probably not be here to be talking about it, much less, um, you know, yeah. So that was, I thought, pretty aggressive. I mean, it's one thing to slam a door. I think all of us as children at that age and been pissed and been fighting with our parents, if you've ever had that experience have slammed a door. Now that never went over very well in my house either, but I still did it because um, it felt good. Um, and Lord knows my own kid has done it to me a time or two as a payback for, you know, because Hey karma. Um, but, um, you know, I thought that was pretty aggressive of her. And then when she was at the school and saw Mike with Max and she flipped Max yeah. off the skateboard She's got, yeah, she's got some uh, commit, not commitment issues, but some jealousy issues for sure. Yeah, I mean that that upset her, and she impulsively, like, floop, you know, knocked Max right off of that skateboard. Mike immediately knew who it was. Max mm-hmm. obviously did not, um, but just based on how Max described the feeling of what happened, because obviously she's very comfortable on a skateboard. It's not her first day, and it's not like that she would just, you know, she was doing something to cause herself to flip um, right off of it. Something made her do it. Um, I thought that was kind of aggressive. It just makes me, I mean, I love Eleven, and, you know, I think she's she's great, but I'm concerned about her state of mind at this point. I don't know if it's being locked up for so long. I don't know if it's the lack of interaction or just what it is, but you know, she's really being defiant right now, and I think that she's hurting people you know, she doesn't know Max, but she got really jealous and knocked her right off of that skateboard. I mean, hey, I think we've all kind of wanted to knock a girl off her skateboard for talking to our talking to our <laughs> man. But um, you know, actually do it, I thought was was interesting. She really showed some aggressive behavior. It's one thing to be a defiant teenager; it's another to be aggressive like that and being throwing plates and uh, knocking people off their skateboard. She could have really been hurt. She could have hit her head. Well, that's what I was nervous about. When you see her seeing that and you see the two smile, like she's like, what? That's my, no, that's my man, lady. Yeah. And I thought, I was concerned she would do something overly aggressive. And I don't know if maybe it's like you said, like she's got these superpowers. So, because I mean, how many times have like something happened? Like, oh my gosh, if I had a superpower, I'd knock them over. Mm-hmm. And if you had the power to do that, you know, it's it's probably instinctive and it's more of an accent than meaning to actually do it. Yep. But and, you know, I don't know if that's this is what they're going to play on as as she's you know she's becoming an adult, so she's going through all these you know emotions that kids go through at this age, boys and girls. That you know she's just kind of dealing with that to you know even the next level. Mm-hmm. Well, and they're at that age, you know, friggin' your hormones are going all over the place. That's when like pu- puberty is like running like crazy through your body, and so you're just. You know, it's a hard age um, for for boys and for girls. Um, so, you know, she, probably just going through that stage in her life and having superpowers on top of it is just probably not the best mix. Again, I throw out the X Men reference. Um, yeah, that's a know. good that's a good comparison. Yeah, um, if if you're familiar at all with the X Men and and that story, 
um, and how some of the people, um, how some of our X-Men or mutants in the stories become mutants is a lot of times happens through puberty um, because they're developing and such. And um, so that's just kind of what it reminds me of. And it seems like she's not handling her power very responsibly. Um, I was was concerned that she, how aggressive she was behaving. But I did like seeing the whole montage. I did like all of that. Yep. So that was my number two is kind of adding to that Eleven Hopper kind of situation. Our uh, storyline in this was just the uh, the montage for it. Yep. Super sweet. I like it. My number one is titled Junior Spies. Uh, <laughs> 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 like it (laughs) (laughs) i'm a big uh, 007 fan so i'll go with that um so it's not i don't have a whole lot to say because we don't get a whole lot but we see nancy and jonathan talking and i'll go into that a little bit more i have some notes on that um but it's what the hell are jonathan and nancy up to they go to radio shack they come home with something or yeah we don't know what it is yeah what is that and they call up barb's parents talk to her mom and they're, like, leaving out this little cookie crumb. Don't they know that they're being listened to? I mean, they know it's, that they're covering yeah. all this up. I got the feel of, like, it's like, oh, we're we're setting the government up for something. You think so? Do you think that's what's – because I don't have a freaking clue. That's that's where I was starting to go, but I'm like, I don't freaking know. I don't know what I, was in that bag. Yeah, because, like, you have to – like you said, they have to know that the government's listening and they can figure out whenever certain things are said. Yeah. So what do you think they're what do you think they're gonna do? Do you think they're gonna tell her parents about what happened? Well, I'm I'm kind of concerned that they're they're using her to get to the government. So maybe they're gonna record like oh. this interaction and then give it to all the news outlets. Maybe that's their goal. Um, maybe she does just feel bad, so she's actually gonna tell her. But it, I don't understand what they'd be getting from Radio Shack to do that. That's the only <laughs> thing that kind of throws me off. Radio Shack, aka Spy Shop. <laughs> my shop of the 80s yep <laughs> hey you want this pen it records nobody can tell what about that big speaker and play button yeah yes. nobody can see it exactly <laughs> things weren't <laughs> as small in the 80s as they are now those little gadgets <laughs> the thing that i was so there's a couple things i'm kind of interested with that whole scenario of, of nancy and them is one they cut class which i've never done in my life well <laughs> Whatever. Hold on. Actually, I have done it. My <laughs> senior year, we did skip a couple classes. I think we skipped the whole day to go play golf. I forgot about that. But <sighs> besides that point, I've never cut a class. Lame. No. But the, <laughs> but the other thing, though, like Nancy for being like this, the party thing was the night before. Uh-huh. For being blackout drunk, she looked pretty decent for the next day. She, she didn't looked- look like she had a hungover at all. She looked better than I do when I come out of being blackout drunk. That's for sure. Oh, uh, and especially like now, like at my age, if I get like if it's if it's a bad bad drink drinking night, like uh-huh. you might as well consider the next three days like done. Like Pretty I'm sleeping much. all day for three days. <clears throat> yep, I'm soaking my face in like ice cold water to reduce the puffiness mm-hmm. that's happening. <clears throat> yeah, eating just like bread and crackers, and you know you do that once a year. Like that's I'm never drinking again. Never drinking again. <laughs> I probably do that more than once a year, but (laughs) (laughs) what day is it? Um, (laughs) Um, Yeah, she, yeah, it's got to be a teenager thing. They bounce back. It's the youth. 
I have to sacrifice virgins and rub their blood all over me to uh, <laughs> look look that good after a night of drinking like that. <laughs> uh, you're the new uh, Count Draculus or whatever her name was. Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That not a whole lot to go into because I feel like we didn't get a whole lot out of that. Just that particular piece anyway was just what the hell are Jonathan and Nancy up to? What what are they? What's their motive? What did they buy from Radio Shack? What's their end game? Yeah, and then my number one we kind of already covered all the way was uh, the polywog. Um, but the only note I have kind of around that area was, uh, did you catch the name of uh, Dustin's turtle? Um, Yertle? Was it Yertle or Ertle? I thought he called it Ertle the turtle. And I was like, that's kind of a lazy name, but kind of cute. It's kind of cute. It's kind of like Squirtle from Pokemon. Yeah, there we go. Uh, and the only other two notes I kind of had from this whole episode is... Um, so we learn that Billy is hooking up with that mean girl from season one. Mm-hmm. Um, they drive away. And then we get a little tidbit that he doesn't think Max is his sister because he gets very offended when uh, I don't remember what the girl's name was. But, you know, she says, oh, we're not waiting for your sister. And he makes the point to say she's not my sister. Yeah. Don't call her that. She's not my sister. Um, but and that that wasn't much of the episode like either. It was like a minute, like a quick little tidbit. So I'm really, really curious about like that whole storyline again. Same thing we talked about. They mm-hmm. give you just a little bit to keep you interested. Oh, yeah. A little sprinkling of something. And we definitely got a little sprinkling. I don't know. I'm thinking it's a step step sibling type of situation. If he's that's like, what I'm getting. Yeah, because. Because it made no sense to me that because we saw in the previous episode whenever he was taking Max home from school and he was so aggressive to her. And I and and we talked a little bit about, you know, sibling rivalry. You talked a little bit about, uh, you know, your, you know, your own squabbles with your sister, you know, and, and how it happens. But you can't ever really see how how he could be so aggressive to her. Um, cause you could never be that way to your own sister. So I think maybe that explains that a little bit because no matter how much you, you know, squabble with your sibling and y'all fight and stuff. And I've seen some pretty serious, look, my, I had two cousins. We were all very close in age. We were all like within just a year apart. And I spent a lot of summers with them and those two fought. And I don't mean just fought. I mean, th- th- there were like some fists flying here. Um, but I'd never saw that much hatred, between them two, like I saw in at Billy towards Max, and you know, yeah. just the uh. that that we got in the car at that time. So that was some pretty deep hatred. And I, I I remember thinking, how how can you hate someone that much that's your own blood? So maybe that answers my question a little bit: is that they're not? I mean, not that it justifies his behavior at at any any way at all. I do. I'm not saying it justifies it, but I'm just trying to make, make sense in my head is how he could hate her so much. Um, is maybe he's not really, they're not really brother and sister. And it may be some reason that's why they're in Indiana is because of him or her or maybe her mom or dad, whoever right. is his step parent. Um, and that's where the hatred comes from. Still seems really, really overly it's aggressive. Very aggressive. Still very I aggressive. Mean, I know California has a little bit better weather than, you know, the Midwest, but you know, <laughs> we've got a lot to. You know, the bad thing, somebody needs to just show him about float trips. If he learns about float trips, like float he, trips. he totally, yeah. And uh, bonfires. Yeah. Big bonfires. And he, um, yeah. he needs to be introduced to a good float party, like you said, down down a creek or down the river. <laughs> um, in the summertime, he needs a good bonfire in the fall, and he needs a good party barn. <laughs> I've Every never small done the party town's barn. got a party barn. But no, that makes sense, yeah. We did. I bet you did, too, that you're not telling us about. 
everybody that had a swamp town had a party barn. And and there's no need for aggression. All good things happen here in the Midwest, in our small towns that we don't let outsiders know about. <laughs> we keep it quiet. We, we make people think it's super boring here. It's very exciting, people. Right? No? Okay. <laughs> okay so. Oh, my gosh. I hear the crickets of the audience and outside. <laughs> I am in the Midwest. <laughs> But yeah, those even, are just even my people quick... who live here are like, what the hell? Give it up. <laughs> anyway. But, but those are just my two uh, quick little notes. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. Sorry. Um, so, okay. So that covers our number one. So you covered a couple of your notes. Did you have any other notes? No, that's pretty. Everything else we kind of covered in the episode. So, okay. So we covered most of my notes as well. But one, a couple things I wanted to bring up was. Just a little tidbit that we did get, because we didn't get Billy much in this episode, which a lot of people are probably happy for, because he seems like such a tool uh, that a lot of people are probably pretty happy that we didn't get much of him. But we did, not just in that scene uh, with that girl after school, but we got him in a gym with Steve. And I just want to say that some of the best memories that I had of school was when the boys were playing basketball, and it was shirts, no shirts, shirts and skins. (laughs) Yeah. We, uh, I, I think at the age I was, they never allowed that. They always had like the stinky, like, okay, you guys get to wear your shirts and you guys got to wear the stinky yellow, like mesh things <laughs> out of that, like ginormous gym hamper. You had to go dig. Yeah. Shirts out like, oh no. We wash them after every gym class. It's like, no, no, you don't. <clears throat> yep. Well, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to come from a place where they still did shirts and skins and, um. It wasn't a bad time, and (laughs) that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, My other note that I have is I'm going to be eating a little bit of crow in this part of my notes and say that I owe Steve an apology. Um, He asked Jonathan to take Nancy home. Did he? He did. So Jonathan was saying that, and I took that as Jonathan was covering for Steve. I think he did. Because okay. Steve was like, well, why don't you go ask your other boyfriend, Jonathan? You know, he seemed to know all about it. And I, I think that's how it happened. I think Jonathan was honest enough. I don't think that he would really cover for Steve, but I think that he would be honest with Nancy and tell her the truth. Like, yep, you know, yep, he, he was mad and he was leaving, but he didn't want to leave you in that state. So he asked me to take you home. I totally believe that. I think that even though um, I feel like there's – um. I don't think Jonathan and Steve are friends. I think that they they get along enough because they have Nancy in common. They both love her. And I think that they come together enough to, like, just be civil to each other. Like, they don't hate each other anymore like they used to in last season. But um, I, I'm, I'm going to believe that story um, because, damn it, Steve is really making me believe that he's a good guy. I'll be interested to see that play out because, yeah, I kind of took it maybe as maybe Jonathan went to Steve to tell him that, hey, just so you know, I took her home because I saw you leave, yada, yada, yada. And that's how Steve knows about it. Mm-hmm. And that, like, Jonathan or Steve actually did not ask Jonathan and Jonathan was covering. Well, we'll see if that I- comes to fruition and who's really right. I'm I'm not I'm not stuck on it so much that I'm hardcore believing it, but I'm believing that somehow that maybe Steve did not just take off and leave her because that's a douche move. Um 
You don't just go off and leave your girl, whether you're mad at her or not, whether she's called your whole relationship bullshit and and your love for each other bullshit. <laughs> you don't go off and leave her completely um, wasted like that at a party without making sure that she gets home. Okay, so um, I'm because he looked really hurt, you know, when they had their little interaction at the gym when she calls him out and she's all mad at him, like, you know, what's your problem? You know, I was late for first period. And he looked really hurt because she still couldn't tell him she loved him. Yeah, I mean, if she said that, then he'd be he would have melted in her in her hands. But oh, totally, she's still stuck. And it's like, I, I no, uh, so you, so you don't love me then, right? It's like, what? No, uh, it's like, yeah, yeah that's what she, I thought. I got to go kick it. this California dude's ass at basketball. Exactly. Talk to me after third period. Exactly. So I think I think that reaction and was enough for me to see how heartbroken that he really was that she because and he's asking for it. He's like, tell me you love me. And I'm like, damn it, Steve, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with the, the Steve from season one to the Steve from season two. And it's 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 a struggle inside of me, but it's coming through that I think Steve is actually a genuine, genuinely pretty good guy, and that now I can't believe that he would have left her at the party, and he really did ask Jonathan to take her home. He looks so heartbroken, you know, because he's like, well, tell me you love me. I'm like, yeah. he really loves her. Gosh, damn it. But okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saying it here. S- sorry, Steve. I, I <laughs> gave you shit that last episode when we talked about it, so I'm going to retract that and say... Good man. Good man. I feel for you. You're in the love triangle. I don't know what to tell you. But anyway, that's that's all the notes that I had for this week. So are we are we ready for some news? Some news from the upside down? Yeah, let's hit up the news. Okay. Do you want to go first? Yep, I can start. Uh, so this is from Variety. So Fox has bought the spec script Crater by John C. Griffin with Sean Levy and Talks to Direct. Levy will produce along with 21 Laps Dan Levin. So Crater is described as a coming-of-age story in the vein of Stand By Me, set on a moon colony. After the death of his father, a boy growing up on the lunar mining colony takes a trip to explore a mysterious crater along with his four best friends prior to being permanently relocated to another planet. Sounds interesting. There's no release dates or anything on that yet, but... um. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to start getting more kind of space because, you know, there's talks of us going to Mars, you know, space is kind of coming back into the mm-hmm. forefront of things. If we're going to start seeing more of those stories. I think we are. I think we are. And this one is certainly interesting. And I like Sean Levy. He's um, great as a producer and what he does on Stranger Things. So we will keep you updated as we get more. This was just a little tidbit. There wasn't much to go on. No release dates or anything yet. But um, as we get it, we will pass it on. Our next article is from Variety. So David Harbour talked with Variety from Bulgaria, where he's filming Hellboy, about whether Hopper is a good father and a good cop, what he'd like to see in future seasons, and how Hellboy compares to everyone's favorite Hawkins cop. So Variety asks him, this season, Hopper got to play father figure to Eleven, though it doesn't always go so smoothly. He says, it was very complicated for me because they go through a lot together. So for me to play these scenes with a 13-year-old and be screaming at her, I was having to feel guilty and apologize to her. (laughs) (laughs) It's very complicated for me because I'm used to playing those scenes with adults. It was even scarier when you're yelling at a child because it's a child. 
but I was really excited about that storyline even going into the season. It was my favorite aspect of the stuff that I was doing. I think this is a great chance to see how broken Jim Hopper is, to see how he really can't deal with his control issues. He lost a daughter, and here he is confronted with another one. All he can think about all day long is that he has kind of a gun to his head. If anything happens to her, he's not going to be able to survive that again. So all that broken complexity, I was relishing playing, and I was super excited to get into it with her. They ask, do you think he's a good father? He says, yes, I do. I think he's a good father. The thing is, all parents make mistakes. The fact that he owns up to his mistakes is one of the things that's great about him. I also think he has a pure heart. He loves her. I don't think he knows how to go about it all the time. I think he is controlling. He has anger issues. He's flawed tremendously. But at the end of the day, he would do anything to protect her. He deeply, deeply cares for her as a result of the fact that she's been an abused little creature who's been trapped and is a man of justice and of the law. He hates that in and of itself. And also just has deeply come to care for and love this little girl. His heart is always in the right place. It's just that his actions are sometimes flawed and messed up. But everybody's actions can be flawed and messed up. And if your heart is in the right place, you'll ultimately do the right thing. I trust Jim Hopper as a father. I really do. Then they ask him, do you think he's a good cop? He says, yeah, I think he's a really good cop. I think he got lost after the death of his daughter and after he moved from New York to Hawkins. Oh, I think I he didn't care I anymore. That. I didn't realize that either. Um, he goes on to say, but I think the great thing about Hopper at the core of his being, he's a cop. He's a man of justice. And so one of the things that may be distressing to you is that he will always make choices for justice above happiness, above self-preservation, above anything. I think that he believes in right and wrong. I think that he's a fighter in that way. I think that's at the core of his being, apart from being a father or a man or anything else. He will fight for what he believes is right. I didn't know that part about him being from New York. Yeah, we, we had talked about, like, it, it might have been a big city, but we didn't know maybe it was Chicago, because that'd be closer to Indiana, but... Yeah. So he was in New York. Yeah. That explains why he might have, because uh, didn't he mention that he knew somebody at the New York Times? Oh, there was a tidbit thrown in there about that, wasn't there? Mm, maybe it maybe it is his ex-wife that works for the Times. Interesting. Well, this one comes from uh, Banger Daily News. So Newborough native Justin Dobble believes that one of the things that helped him, helped him land a job writing and producing for Netflix's smash hit Stranger Things was the fact that he grew up in Stephen King country. The show's creator, Matt and Ross Duffer, are self-admitted King junkies, and Dobble32 decided to lead with that connection when he first met them. In our first meeting, I told them that about the fact that he taught at my high school when he was writing Carrie, and I used to work at Shaw's and Miller Drug and would see him around all the time, said Dobble. I think that helped me get a foot in the door. Dobble, a 2003 graduate of Hampton Academy who now lives in Los Angeles, has been a producer on both seasons of Stranger Things and has written four episodes of the show, more than any other writer besides the Duffer Brothers themselves. Buoyed by the show's success, in September he signed a development deal with Amazon Studios to produce content exclusively for Prime Video. Dabble believes that he and the Duffer Brothers connected for a number of reasons, not least because they shared a love of many of the things inspired behind Stranger Things. That includes the small-town world of Hawkins, Indiana, a world that's not too far off from Dabble's roots in the Bangor region. We're about the same age. We all grew up loving Steven Spielberg movies and summer blockbusters, said Dabble. 
I think having grown up in a small town, I get Hawkins. I know that kind of close-knit community and that kind of close-knit group of friends that does everything together gets in trouble together. I know that world. A third season of Stranger Things is confirmed, though no release date has been set. Meanwhile, Dabo's busy with his Amazon Studios development deal. He's not at liberty to speak about it in detail, and he said he's excited. I thought that was a super cool little story. <laughs> yeah, so it seems like they they're some of the Stranger Things um, people are starting to get plucked by other companies. They are. So hopefully that doesn't hurt Stranger uh, Things in the long run. I hope not. I hope that um, they're able to balance some of that out because, you know, just because, you know, there's a lot that happens before they even film. I mean, the writers are working on these things before they even ever film. They're working in the writer's room and they're hashing out the whole season and what happens. And so it's and then they have to go film it. But um, I'm hoping that they're able to balance some things out and they, they don't lose some of the great writers they have. Cause I think there's some amazing writing in this show. So, yeah, I thought that was a cute little story. Anyway, now we have some letters from the Upside Down, and this is from you guys, our listener feedback, which I love so much, my favorite part. The first one is from Wendy Ott Eppers. Rima, why have you inflicted this pain on me? The action is ramping up again, and I'm completely captivated by the story. The relationship between Hopper and Eleven is equally heartbreaking and adorable. Poor Will, he can't seem to catch a break. These kids are so good, so genuine. I'm loving it. Duncan Kirk McPherson. Nope, nope, nope. Dustin should be afraid <laughs> of the polywog. Plus, he's like a living booger. Dustin has some pretty impressive research skill, though. Yeah, I kind of thought he kind of seemed like Rain Man there. A little bit. <laughs> so funny when he steals the books, and the dynamic between him and his mom is hilarious. I'm a fan of Mad Max. I think she's a total badass who can pick locks, and I'm enjoying her addition to the group. Dustin freaking runs over her while chasing <laughs> Tartagian. Yes. Awkward vibe with Eleven and Hopper. Sucks he's lying to her and that she feels locked up. Love how Elle is, moving, is learning Morse code and how to set tripwires. For real, though, she's our beast. Force slamming the door and everything. It's so sweet how badly she wants to see Mike and how Mike knew it was her with Max's skateboard. And what she does to the swing set is so creepy. Yeah, that was actually pretty weird. I didn't really care for that part. Yeah, that was weird. I uh, with the uh, um, uh, the thing with Mike and her, I thought it was interesting that uh, Hopper knew because he talked about her visiting him again. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of neat. Yep. Uh, Mister Baldo is coming for you. Bob totally gets Will all fucked up with some advice that would, under different circumstances, actually be good advice. Apparently, Bob is from the same area in Maine where it takes place, and Mr. Baldo asked him if he wanted a balloon, like Pennywise. Sad hearing Bob talk about how he never punched back. But hey, look at him now. Now he gets to date Joyce Byers. (laughs) The boy playing Will has an awesome performance at the end of this episode. I'm very impressed with him. Laugh my ass off at Joyce Byers trying to figure out the JVC VHSC cassette and coaxial in and outs. She's full throttle wackadoodle, and holy crap, she sees the smoke monsters outlined in the video. What is it, bleeding through into our dimension? Nancy and Jonathan, what the fuck are they up to? <laughs> That's great, Duncan. As always, I agree with you. I agree with everything that you said. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Steve Brown says, Dustin falling asleep with the reptiles book and wanting more books than allowed from the library. The Jim Croce song was great. I don't feel bad for Steve. <laughs> Loved Hopper's <laughs> convince me line to the doctor. It was very rom-com-esque, the way Mike and Elle missed each other and her seeing him with Max. Notes. Dustin including Max in the AV club meeting and then not including her was strange <laughs> indeed. Good call. <laughs> very good call, Steve. <laughs> Hopper with his troops and his interaction with them. Joyce trying to make the tape work. Hilarious. Then seeing that Will's visions are real. Haunting. Stephanie M. Stephanie M. Fernandez. So probably too late, but here are some of my thoughts. Love seeing how Hopper and Eleven came together and established the safe house and their methods of communication. And Eleven breaking the don't be stupid rules one by one while remembering Hopper going over them was perfect. Hopper reading Anne of Green Gables. So that's what he was reading. Okay. Okay. To Eleven, just as he had read it to his sick daughter, giving me all the feels. But he shouldn't have lied to Elle about her mother. I don't know if he knows for sure, though. I mean, we don't. I mean, I think it's kind of obvious in a way, but do we know 100%? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Um, Billy is an asshole, yes, and adds <laughs> nothing substantial to the story. Uh, why does Steve seem so needy? Was he like that last season? He does realize that leaving his girlfriend falling down drunk at a party was completely asshorely, right? I guess he must have seen Jonathan leave the party and figured he'd take care of her, but still. Yeah, so the jury's still out on that. Did he ask Jonathan to take him, or did he Mm -hmm. just find out? We'll see. (laughs) Dustin and his paddles was hilarious, but lying to his friends and hiding dart was not cool, especially when all the others agreed they should be cautious about the creature. Poor Bob and his well-intentioned advice. You know it wasn't going to turn out well. The music totally gives that away. (laughs) Love that he said to Joyce about bullies, though. Gotta love Joyce on a mission to protect her boy. Yeah, nobody mess with Mama Bear. Yep. Like the long take of Mike walking past a hallway that Eleven then walks down and predictably goes the opposite direction of Mike. Not sure how I feel about Elle being jealous of Max for smiling at Mike, but since Elle still needs to learn a lot about emotions and keep them under control, I'd give her some slack. Uh, Noah Snap is all kinds of incredible as well this season. The confrontation with the shadow monster in the field is just bone-chilling. Agreed. Jeremy Hawley says, My thoughts upon seeing this episode. At first, I was afraid that Bob was working as a spy for the lab. Or I was afraid that he was going to freak out over the damage to his camera. But now I mostly think he's just a good guy. It seems like he's way more invested in Joyce than the other way around at this point, though. I kind of feel bad for Bob and think his intentions seem to be good. Bob's advice to Will hit home because some of my children are at the age where they're dealing with bullies. As a parent, sometimes I struggle with the advice to give my kids, too. I like that Bob was genuinely trying to help Will and show that he understood and cared. Turns out his advice was pretty bad for the situation. Characters are lying to each other a lot in this episode, and there's a lot of conflict. I think that the Pollywog title reference shows that there's a change in character relationship dynamics coming. Is Dart supposed to be the slug that Will coughed up in season one? That was ten months ago. Why is he still so small? Has (laughs) Destin lost his mind? There's no way I'd ever put that strange creature on my head. I'm guessing that his mom never let him watch Alien, particularly after that thing sprouted legs. I was thinking about the face hugger the entire time the thing was on the screen. (laughs) Kind of felt bad for Max. Not cool, L. 
Good thoughts, Jeremy. I agree with a lot of that. Let's see. We've got uh, one from Clara Joanna. Uh, I love the polywog. Eleven destroyed me when she was yelling at Hopper for keeping her away from Mike. I need to see him has been ringing in my ears. Just an incredible performance from Millie Bobby Brown. I also love seeing a classic preteen temper tantrum with the addition bonus telekinesis. Gosh, aren't we all glad our children don't really have oh, that? Yes. Oh, geez. That would make it just so much worse. Um, this was a Twitter response. This is from at DH fan. Uh, the first scene was the funniest of the series. Gatton has impeccable comic timing, and they hired the perfect actress as his mom. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. That was really great. Um, I thought that there was something back that someone said in here that I had some notes about, and I'm totally going blank on it. Oh, darn. Yeah, I thought the whole alien reference was, was really good. I thought gosh if you've seen that movie there's no way you'd be taking that thing home <laughs> not at all oh i'm totally missing out that's okay we can move on because um i thought i had another note something that i wanted to bring up and now i can't forget so that's okay so we'll go on that was all of our listener feedback this week we had lots of great feedback for everyone um i appreciate everyone writing in i know we recorded like a day early so i asked everyone hey get your stuff in hurry up, go watch the episode and let us know what you thought because um uh, and everyone uh came through so thank you everyone for writing in we really appreciate it yeah thanks everybody and remember, if, if you know you get behind on it, just go ahead and send it for any episode. We'd love to share it just to kind of rekindle any thoughts or spark any conversation. Absolutely. I like to always encourage when, whenever someone's like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch it in time. I encourage you to leave your feedback for no matter what episode that you're watching. If you just want to leave me a note, if, if you're going to message us or if you're going to put it on Facebook or on Twitter, if you want to email us as well, um, just let us know which one that you're leaving it for, for which episode. You know, we still like to talk about it because I'm always interested in hearing everyone's perspectives because there's always something that, you know, we haven't quite thought of yet. Um, so, um, always, always write in, never get discouraged and think, oh, I'm too late. It is never too late. I, I read everything. So thank you again, everyone for taking the time. So next week we'll be covering the fourth episode from season two titled chapter four, will the wise. So the description for this episode is an ailing will opens up to Joyce with disturbing results. While Hopper digs for the truth, Eleven unearths a surprising discovery. Oh, boy. That kind of sounds like a D&D &D campaign. I'm down. I'm in. Yeah, I'm totally in. I can't wait. I can't wait to watch this next one. It's so hard to not keep going. <laughs> Binging right <laughs> one after another. Um, we are so excited for you to travel to Hawkins, Indiana with us. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter at StrangeTCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. You can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like Podcast Junkies at Podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed or any of the other great Podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to check out Sean in his other podcast, what? The, what? the Language of Bromance, and it comes out every Sunday. 
I believe this Sunday we're going to be doing our bucket list draft. Ooh, so that the things we want to do before we pass away, before we move on, before we go to the upside down. These are the before, things we need to do. <laughs> okay, we're definitely checking that one out. I want to hear your bucket list, Sean. I think everybody needs to hear <laughs> Sean's bucket list. We all want to hear it, right? So go check it out. Be out next Sunday. And uh, as a reminder, go to Freshly.com and choose your meal for the week from the rotating menu that Freshly sends you in a refrigerated box. Just go to their website, Freshly.com, and use the promo code STRANGE, and it gives our listeners two weeks of chef-cooked dinners for $40 off. They get $20 off their first order and $20 off their second order. You can find that information in the show notes. All right, well, that's our show. Episode 11, Chapter 3, The Polywog. Until next time, And I'm Sean. And Stephanie M. Fernandez is strange indeed. No way! Easy, right? Easy peasy. Just like that.